Guys, welcome back to the Relax Running Podcast, episode 112. Tyson Popplestone here. I'm your host on this bad boy. I'm, uh, I've been here now for, gee, we're, we're kicking on two years this podcast has been going for. I tell you what, we've, we've covered some ground in two years. I was flicking through some of the interviews just last night and, uh, and was amazed that some of the people had the chance to sit down and chat to. If you're new, uh, what we usually do here is sit down with the best of the best in the world of distance running, whether they're the runners themselves or their coaches, their doctors, the guys organizing their shoes. It doesn't matter. If you're in and around the running scene and you're good at what you do, we're going to get you on the show and uh, and pick your brains. The idea starting this show was to help you, the audience, just eliminate the guesswork from your training. I jump on Google sometimes as a bloke who's been in the sport for, for nearly 20 years. No, over 20 years. I'm 34 now. 30, yeah, 21 years. Blows my mind. And what trips me out when I look through Google is there's just so much information. There's so many different opinions on, on the same subjects. And that can be really hard to navigate. So uh, I, I love the beauty of opinions. I love the idea to, to sit down and, and, and just have a chat with people about why they do what they do, why that's worked or what has worked, what hasn't worked. And that's what this platform's become, a chance for, for, for you guys to hopefully eliminate a heap of the guesswork and find some more concrete answers to your running questions. But one thing that I've found through this thing is uh, it doesn't matter whether you're brand new to the sport of distance running or you've been doing it for 20 years and competed at your third Olympics, we've still got questions. We're still on the hunt. We're all still on the pursuit for improvement. I think that's one of the most beautiful parts of, of this sport and uh, today we're going to slightly pivot because what we usually do, as I just said, is, is pick the brains of others. But one area that I don't think gets enough attention in the world of distance running is the subject of mindset. Now, uh, mindset, obviously, this is something that we can de- develop in our, in our running, but it's also just a skill that we need to develop for, for our day-to-day life. And I think my interest in this subject has peaked uh, as a young kid, I was I was really committed to sport. I was really committed to improvement. It's just been a, a a core part of my life for as long as I can remember. And I never felt as though I had really helpful tools as a kid to navigate, uh, you know, times of stress or times of anxiety, uh, times of fear, uh, trying to navigate the nerves that you felt standing on a start line. And um, I think I was just oblivious to the fact that there was there was so much help available. And uh, despite the fact that it's 2021 today and uh, there's a lot more books being written on the subject of mindset and resilience and overcoming difficulties, I, I still find there's um, not a lot of simple, practical tools that we can take away in little bite-sized pieces and apply to our life. And and with that said, I, uh, I just wanted to give a little bit of context to what I'm going to say in this relatively short podcast. And that's... Uh, the last 20 years I've, I've been fascinated by this subject and just trying to pick apart the really simple strategic uh, elements that we can uh, apply to our mindset that's going to make the massive difference. So I did a little bit of brainstorming. I wanted to bring you guys the, the best tips that I possibly could, the best tips that I'd found for my own life that I think are not only going to help you in your life, but you in your running specifically. Because it, isn't it true that a sport like running, it doesn't matter what level you're competing at, doesn't matter how good you are or it doesn't matter how good you've been there's always going to be moments of disappointment always going to be moments of frustration sure there's going to be moments of of like great joy and great excitement along the way but i think the great joy and the great excitement is uh, is so much easier to navigate 
than what the difficult periods are. And obviously, a sport like this requires consistency. It requires us to, to keep showing up day after day, regardless of the form that we're in, regardless of the experiences that we've had in the in the sport over the last couple of weeks. And uh, and a big part of that is is getting our mindset on side. But here's the question. How the heck do you do it? <laughs> How do we actually develop our mindset to an extent that it's going to allow us to keep pushing forward even in the moments that we're frustrate, frustrated, disappointed, stressed, and questioning whether it's all worth it? Now, uh, just to start it, to set the foundation for this chat, I, I want to say this. The most helpful illustration that was ever given to me with mindset or about mindset was uh, explaining it as though it's a, a gym membership for our mind. I think that's the Headspace slogan, the meditation app, a, a gym membership for your mind. What I love about the idea of it being a gym membership for your mind is just like a gym membership, it doesn't matter if you know all the exercises you should do, it doesn't matter if you know what days you should train what muscle, it doesn't matter if you know how consistent you should be, if you're not doing it, you're not gonna see any physical breakthroughs in your life. And and, and here's the beauty. The, the same is so true for our mind. If if we if we know all the strategies, we've heard all the talk, we've read all the books, but we're not actually showing up and applying these strategies, then there's actually no point doing it. But the flip side of that is if you've got the consistency, if you've got the discipline, if you're willing to put in the work on a daily basis, not only are you going to feel more joy going uh, around your day-to-day life, but you're also going to feel a whole heap more excitement and a whole heap more commitment to the sport of distance running. Because if you can learn to look at things from a new perspective, then the the way that you, uh, or the thing that you're looking at tends to change. So with that said, hey, I've got this notebook in front of me, I've eliminated all the excess, and I've tried to focus specifically on the top five elements that have changed my mindset over the years and things that I'm still working on to, to this day that I hope do the same for you. So with all of that said, uh, let's make this an open conversation. If you've got more to add to the table at the end of this, feel free to jump over to the Relax Running Instagram page and I'll put a post up just in regards to, to this particular podcast. And you can feel free to, to list those tips, list those steps just below that. But that's enough of an intro. With all of that said, with all that groundwork laid, let's get in to the very first point. The first step to actually help us develop a more positive mindset is this. Number one is our focus. What do we mean when we say focus? Obviously, the, the point of our focus is the thing that has our attention captured. What we look at, we tend to see. The, the point of our focus is to obviously... Um, well, I should say that the way we focus really dictates the way that we feel. But obviously, a lot of us don't have the capacity to realize we have the option to choose what it is that we focus on. So if what you focus on dictates what you see, then it's super important to choose your focus carefully, which sort of rhymes. It was an accidental rhyme that I didn't mean for it to do, but um, but it's so true. What you focus on, you tend to see. So choose your focus carefully. So what are we talking about when we say focus? Well, wherever our mind sits, obviously our attention goes, our emotion starts to develop around that idea. And uh, I've been through so many races in my time where I get to the end of the race and the race might not have been as successful as I was hoping it to be. I might not have run as fast or beaten the people I thought I should have. And as a result, especially when I was younger, my mind would just start to churn on that. 
Uh, you start to, maybe you've experienced this as well, you start to feel quite foggy in your mind and it just, it's almost like a rat wheel. Or Is that what it's called? Like those little mouse wheels? It just keeps going around and around and around and around and around. And as a result, there's this weird uh, sort of uh, process that takes place where you focus on something and then you feel a particular emotion which further strengthens that focus, which further strengthens that emotion. So yeah, one thing that I often noticed when I'd finish a bad race and I didn't have this strategy in place or I didn't have an awareness that what I was focusing on was actually dictating how I perceived that situation, I, I felt as though I was out of control. My emotions would spin, my head would spin. I felt like I didn't have motivation or um, excitement, confidence to get back out there and run. But all that was happening was I was focusing my attention in the wrong part of my life. I was focusing my attention on an unhelpful element. That doesn't matter how much I think about how poorly I did, it does nothing to make me feel better. So one of the most effective ways that we can change our focus is with the with the questions that we ask ourselves. Obviously, when we start to ask ourselves a question, when we fire a question, our brain is just wired in a way that says, hey, I really want an answer to this question. So uh, let me give you an example of how I was when I was focusing poorly versus how I was when I realized what I was focusing on dictated the way I felt. So uh, in the old mindset, I might have sat there and be like, oh my gosh, why did that guy beat me? I can't believe this. It's just so not worth it. What's the point in me even doing this? And then my brain would be like, yeah, this is it, it just fire an answer. Like, yeah, I know you've put in a lot of work and it doesn't seem worth it, does it? And you should have been running faster than this particular person. And it's almost as though the question that you ask, it sort of guides your hand down the path of, um, uh, it sort of guides your hand down the path uh, or, or an unhelpful path. We're the flip side of that, some more positive questions, some more open-ended questions, some more questions that actually allow you to fill that headspace with a, a more positive spin is, all right, you didn't have the best day of your life today in terms of uh, your race result, but what were three things that you took out of it that you're gonna learn for the future? You might say, okay, well, obviously there was a part in that race there where I was questioning whether or not I should go with a surge or whether I was questioning how fast I should be going. Uh, from now on, I'm gonna make sure I make that commitment. You see, can you see the difference? I can almost feel that difference just talking about it with you at the moment. It, it's such a it's such a more hope-filled response to a difficult situation. And obviously, like anything, it needs to be done repetitively for our brain to become convinced, for our brain to become adept, for our brain to understand that that's the way we're gonna do it. But just like a gym membership for your mind, if you can start to develop this process of actually showing up and doing this on a daily basis, in all situations, you're gonna to start to see some big results. Now, the beauty with focus is you don't have to wait for a bad result in order to, to be able to make a, or a bad result in your running to be, able to be able to make a massive change in the way you see the world. You're gonna have so many opportunities on a daily basis. Like for me, 20 minutes ago, I just finished my morning uh, on the Australian Stock Exchange, uh, morning of day trading, and I didn't have a great morning. It was a morning of frustration. I finished in the red. I was disappointed. But immediately, it was funny, I opened this notebook ready to talk to you guys. And I was like, all right, all right, Mr. Preacher, you're going to come here and tell these guys about the most helpful things that you've learned uh, to develop a more positive mindset over the last few years. So it's pretty important that you actually uh, you know, you step up to the plate and you actually, uh, you, you put it into your practice yourself. Now, before I move on to the next point, I will say that the most comfortable thing to do when you're disappointed with a race result or when you're disappointed with any result is, well, if you're anything like me, 
Just start having a pity party. It's, uh, the easiest option is always laziness. The easiest option is always just to stay in bed when you should be at the gym or eat a donut when you know you should be eating a salad. The easiest option with your mindset is just to let whatever's flowing through your head keep going without actually making any steps to challenge those thoughts. So take some time, sign a contract with yourself. That's, uh, that's something I love to do. Sign a contract with my wife to say, all right, each and every time I start to notice my emotions going uh, out of control because I'm focused on the wrong things, I'm gonna ask more positive questions. So remember that what you focus on, you tend to see. So choose your focus carefully. Another one of the, the, the joy th- uh, killers before we move on from the focus point is this game of comparison. We all develop at such different levels. We all have such different skills. Maybe you're a shorter, faster runner when someone you admire is a longer, slower runner. But the thief of joy is this game of comparison. So Jordan Peterson, a guy I really look up to, speaks about how, hey, stop comparing yourself to who someone is today, but compare yourself to who you were yesterday. So this journey towards whatever goal you have is gonna be a really sad, lonely boring journey if you don't take some time to focus on a few things that you're grateful for along the way. So don't get caught up thinking, uh, a bloke, I, I was, I was, I remember being in Ballarat, I was 21 years old, Brian Gregson had just jumped onto the scene and uh, he was just running some of the most insane times. It, it really blew my mind and I was excited for the guy and I thought it was exciting for Australian distance running. But as a pure competitor, I remember thinking, God, this, this guy's three years younger than me. And he's absolutely kicking my ass <laughs> with the times that he's running. And I remember just finding it so hard to get out to training and be super motivated because I was like, well, clearly there's some divide between talent. This guy's bringing something to the table that I just haven't managed to bring it, despite the fact I've been in the sport for eight years at the time. And uh, I, I just couldn't help but notice how disappointed I was and how frustrated I was and how much motivation I lacked. So this idea of comparison being the thief of joy is is so true. So hey, another point of focus, another way you can change your focus is, is stop looking around you. Stop looking at the people who haven't been injured or stop looking at the people who have had a bit more success or broken through more quickly or seem to be able to handle their long runs more effectively and focus on the areas that you can change. If you focus on that, you can take steps towards improving it. Doesn't matter how jealous we get of what someone else is doing, it makes no changes to how we feel about our actual situation. The second point, the the second thing that has been so incredibly helpful for me is is physiology, the way we hold our body. Physiology is just a fancy word for the way we stand, the way we hold our body. Now, you don't have to look far to see that so many of the top athletes in the world are people. Think of Usain Bolt, think of Mo Farah, think of Hishamel Garouge, think of um, you know, just insert any top level performer in amongst those names and have a look at them on the start line. How do they hold themselves? Now, physiology, the way we hold ourselves is interesting because the way we stand is directly connected to the way we feel. To prove this, Tony Robbins has a great example. He says, hey, you want to you wanna, uh, uh, prove to yourself how much you understand um, uh, uh, what the relationship between mindset and body is, uh, do this without any research, stand like a person who's upset. All of a sudden you see people, you know, their heads, stay, their heads down, their, their shoulders slouch, they, 
their breathing sort of gets a little bit shallow. Yeah, we all know what a depressed person looks like. We know what a sad person looks like. We know what a person who lacks confidence looks like. And that's not a slight against any of these people. I'm just saying that that what we're feeling on the inside is often expressed through the way that we hold our body. So the beauty is not only does our brain influence the way that we hold our body, but the way we hold our body influences the way that we feel about ourselves. So uh, another thing, uh, depending on how confident you are, depending on uh, you know how uh, how shy or not shy you are, you might like to make a few subtle changes to the way that you actually hold yourself when you're on a start line. So something I used to like to do, especially leading into a race when I was racing against people who had faster times than me, my body would start to get nervous, my brain would start to go, oh gee, Tice, you're up against it today. I would start to embody the, uh, I would start to stand, I'd start to act more like the person that I wish I was in that situation. So for me, a lot of the time, if I was lacking confidence, I'd be like, all right, no, I'm going to embody what I wish I felt like. So that was, uh, you know, standing up a little taller, shoulders back, head up, breathing longer, slower, deeper breaths. Now, this sounds so simple. It sounds almost like a trick. It sounds like it's a joke. I heard people say this for the same, for the first time and I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah, well done, hero. That sounds fantastic. But then I tried it. <laughs> then I tried it. You can only spend a certain amount of time walking around your house with a little bit of a strut, your shoulders back, your head up before you start to embody that. So if you are the kind of person who maybe finds it a little bit hard to develop confidence or maybe you beat yourself up or maybe you're lining up on a start line, you start to feel a little bit frustrated, start to feel a little bit insecure, try this. Start to walk as though you were the person that you wish you were. Now, hey, it's not a one-size-fits-all magic cure forever. Like everything we're saying here, this is something that needs to be repeated. Just like, it doesn't matter how many green juices I have today or how many vegetables I eat today, if I start eating poorly from tomorrow for the rest of the year, it doesn't take long for my body to atrophy, for my health to decline, and for my teeth to start to rot. The same is true with mindset. This is not something you're gonna do once and just be like, hey, fantastic, I'm all fixed, this is better. You're gonna to have to do this day after day after day. But the truth is, as a distance runner, you understand this better than most people. Discipline and consistency is at the core of what it is that we're talking about here. So if you've got these uh, this discipline, if you've got this consistency, you understand what it means to keep showing up day after day after day. It's just another area of our life that we're gonna apply these strategies. Now, the third thing is, which is, it's interesting how all these things are so interconnected. Um, the, the third thing is the language that we use. It's a relatively short one and so incredibly obvious that when we say it out loud, it, it seems crazy that you have to actually acknowledge this. But language, what does that mean? It simply means the words we use when we talk to ourselves. So just like the example I gave in the first point where I would finish a bad race and I'd get all caught up on myself like, oh man, you suck, this is rubbish, blah, blah, blah. And I had to ask myself some questions to change the way I saw it. The other step that I learned was really helpful was changing the language that I used to explain the situation. So my first gut reaction might be, finish that race, and be like, oh, you're an absolute idiot, you stuffed that. And there's an emotional connection to those words, which even just saying that then, it feels horrible to say. It's something that just doesn't feel good. It's something that, it, literally, as I say those words, you're an idiot, you stuffed that up. Where's the hope in that? Where's the joy in that? Where's the growth in that? But the flip side of that same coin is to use language which is more empowering. So what are some words, what are some sort of hot words that you find that, that really uh, pick you up? Uh, so rather than saying you're an idiot, it might go, hey, no, this is, uh, you're growing, you're developing, you're learning. 
Can you see the difference in that mindset? Can you feel the difference in that statement? Now, it's such a simple thing, but done repetitively makes such a massive difference. This is one thing that for whatever reason, uh, when I'm in conversations and um, I'm the kind of bloke, I'm happy to take the piss out of myself. I'm happy to joke about myself. I'm happy to laugh about myself. But I've got to be careful sometimes uh, to make sure that I'm not giving off a vibe that I actually lack confidence when in fact, I'm just trying to make a little bit of a joke. So in my own personal life, I'll be in a conversation with someone. I'll be like, oh man, I'm such an idiot. I made a dickhead of myself, blah, blah, blah. There's an interesting line for me between, all right, having a little bit of fun and, and, and that line getting blurry, uh, getting a little bit messed up to where it looks as though I might actually believe this uh, stuff. So uh, for you, what are, the, what are the little areas of your life where you might find yourself being a little bit too harsh on yourself with the words that you're using? Now, I think the human condition is that we all tend to be a little bit harder on ourselves naturally, just like the, the world sort of goes towards chaos if it's not nurtured. Our mind goes towards negativity or it goes to what, well, not all of us, a lot of us. Our minds tend to go towards the easy option, which is just seeing things for you know how bad they are. So what are some of the words that you can use I think they call this growth mindset when you're speaking about it in school. It's an opportunity to, to, to flip the negative words and use it in a more positive way. So what I've learned to do is even if my first response is, oh, you're an idiot, you stuff that up, I use that now as a reminder to myself. It's like my little alarm clock. When I catch myself doing that, it simply serves as a reminder to use more powerful words. Now, the beauty with using more powerful words is... Uh, uh, it requires you to be more specific. See, and calling yourself an idiot, it's such an easy out, but it clarifies nothing about what you needed to improve. If you leave a training session, you're like, oh, you stuff it up, you're so unfit. Uh, what does that even mean? What part of the training session are you referring to? What weren't you happy with? When you can identify those factors, say you say, oh man, I found that last 400 meter rep really difficult. Uh, doesn't mean you're an idiot. Doesn't mean your fitness isn't improving. It means that you know there could be a, a whole heap of factors taking place there, which has led to that particular outcome. But if you can be more specific and you can learn to identify the actual situation that has frustrated you, then with that information, we can start to make changes. Which leads me to the next point, which is, which is thought monitoring forms. This is such a great, incredible strategy, which uh, it combines both the first and the third step that I've just spoken about there. So focus and language are so much easier to develop when we challenge the rubbish thinking that we have going through our minds. So uh, for example, I think I've spoken about this in the podcast before with a number of guests. Actually, I think just last week, uh, Simon Hearn, I was speaking to, th- uh, to him about thought monitoring form. So it's a uh, form of psychology called cognitive behavior therapy. And essentially what it does uh, in its most simple terms, it teaches you to identify the thinking errors that you're making and challenge that thinking error with a more powerful alternative. So uh, let me give you an example. So this morning, all right, I just told you that I stuffed up. See, look at that. I just told you that I didn't have the required outcome, the desired outcome on my training, uh, on my trading that I was doing and I finished up in the red rather than obviously where I'd like to be, which was in the green. So my initial thought was, okay, column one, if we're doing CBT and challenging these thoughts, column one says, Tice, you mucked up your trading this morning. You're not developing as quickly as you should be. You should be in the green every day by now, which is fine. There you go. There's the original statement, the stream of consciousness straight out of my my brain. 
Then the second column is identifying the thinking errors. So if this is something that you think might be helpful, jump onto Google to find out all the thinking errors that people make. There's a, and there's an endless list of them, but CBT focuses on about 12 of them. So some of them, for example, there's black and white thinking, predicting the future, emotional reasoning, um, what else is there? Generalizing, catastrophizing, and then when you realize that these thinking errors actually exist, it gives you the opportunity to, to start to make some changes uh, to, to uh, what it is that you're allowing to go through your mind. So column one, you've heard my thought. I should be more consistent on a daily basis. What happened today was not acceptable. This, this has been going on for too long. Uh, column B, all right, well, that's a generalized statement. Obviously, even the best traders in the world uh, you know, uh, have, have down days, have off days. So you're listing down the, the thinking errors that you're making. Then in the third and final column, you're responding to the original statement. So you might say, okay, I can clearly see that I was overgeneralizing and I was emotional reasoning. Even the best traders in the world have off days. And if you're careful and if you're committed, failure is only a temporary uh, destination on the way through to your journey towards success, which is quite a cliche, corny statement off the top of my head, but it felt good to say. I actually heard Djokovic, Novak Djokovic, who's been a hot topic here in Australia at the moment, say that the other day on a, a podcast I was listening to, he was like, hey, failure only exists for those who aren't committed. And that's such a, it's such an awesome attitude. So world number one tennis player talking about the failures that he's had in his own career, the disappointments that he's had. And he says he's always had the ability when he's been aware of it to go back and see that for what it was, a simple place that he's passing, passing through on the way towards his success. So a lot of the time, we don't know exactly what the journey towards success should look like. But what we do know is it's going to have some difficult periods to navigate throughout there. So if you're going through a process and you feel like you keep bumping your head, as long as you're learning, as long as you're growing, and as long as you're not allowing it to bury you with you know emotional frustration, guilt and disappointment, hey, it's a really important yet helpful uh, process to have to go through towards your journey to, to success in the sport. Now, that doesn't mean that we're all going to be Olympic gold medalists, obviously, but what it is saying that um, as we navigate through that process of frustration, we're going to get towards wherever it is that we're going with a far better attitude. That's one thing that I've realized. A lot of the time, I used to think my joy was constantly going to be found in the next achievement that I had. So, uh, you know, once I graduated from primary school, once I graduated from high school, once I got out of uni, once I started teaching a full-time job, once I got married, once I got kids, I've done all those things now. And now I look ahead and I'm like, oh, no, no, it's going to be it's going to be once I make a few million dollars. Do you know what I mean? That <laughs> so you've got to be careful um, uh, because the truth is when I actually uh, become aware of that, when I adjust my mindset, when I see that for what it is, I start to go, ah, okay. So no, I've got full access access to full joy, even right now in here in Victoria, um, in this period of just uh, not knowing exactly what our future looks like. There's an element of peace that we always have access to. It's got to do more with our mindset than it does to do with what we achieve. You already know that. I already know that. It's a cliche, but it's something that I think we just need to highlight to ourselves. The lucky last thing, with all of that said, with all of that said, one of the most helpful things that we need to do is be aware of the strategy that we're using. So you might go through a period of disappointment for a while and you'll try all these different mindset things, um, these mindset strategies to, to try and improve your situation. 
But eventually, we, we have to acknowledge, all right, well, if, if what we're doing is not working, if we're not starting to take steps in the direction towards the goals that we have, maybe it's time to change that strategy. I think it was, was it Einstein who said um, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. I'm not sure. We'll credit it to Einstein. If you can correct me, I'm, I'm open to correction on this. I'm not sure if it was him who said it. But the comment stands. What great advice. Don't keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. If you've noticed that what you're doing is not working, hey, maybe have a talk to a coach. Maybe have a talk to those you care about, about some potential opportunities to, to make some changes. I'd be more than happy to work with you guys. Uh, a lot of our members work with me just via the email threads that we have to to talk about not only our training, but to talk about the um, uh, uh, the strategies, to talk about the differences that we need to, to change um, as we go. All right, so don't keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Uh, in a nutshell, we had focus, we had physiology, we had language, we had thought monitoring sheets, and then we had our strategy. If you would like some thought monitoring sheets, which are actually set up beautifully, I've got a heap of templates here, so I'd be more than happy to send that to you. Just shoot me a message on Instagram and I'll get it through to you. But uh, guys, whatever I've missed, jump over to Instagram, let me know. I'd love to hear your thoughts, but uh, I hope that's helpful, really helpful to me. There are a couple of the, uh, the big game changes in my own life. So stay positive, guys. Stay consistent, stay committed. We're all gonna have these highs and lows in our career, but as long as we can learn to navigate the mindset, uh, these highs and lows become a, a lot easier to deal with. So happy training. I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing some of you guys soon, and I'll see you here at the same time next week.